And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't yet, check out my weekly emails where I share actionable website, SEO and B2B marketing tips, useful podcasts, goodies, and more. You can give it a shot over at businessgrowth.email. Joining me today, I've got Chip House. Chip is the Chief Marketing Officer over at Insightly CRM. Chip, welcome to the show, sir. How are we going? It's going great. Thanks for having me on, Sam. Excited to be here. Yeah, likewise. Looking forward to the show. Chip, we're going to be talking all things aligning marketing with the sales team and how we can work together to drive no. revenue, get the cash in the bank, keep the team happy, and uh, hopefully have as few arguments between marketing and sales as as possible. Um, so with that, why do you think it is, Chip? Let's jump straight in. Why is it that marketing and sales historically haven't got along? I think it's the Mars-Venus thing a little bit. I mean, it just like from, from whence we came into the profession, you know, and I don't think it matters if it's, you know, um, a, a firm that sells to enterprises or to small businesses. I think generally, uh, you know, sales sees, sees themselves sort of downstream from marketing's efforts and mm. uh you know uh complains that maybe hey marketing just gets to sit in their ivory tower and think big thoughts <laughs> and spend lots of money and do artwork and and they're not responsible for any real money right the real business happens with us the sales team and mm. so so marketing prove your worth to me and where the where are the leads where are the mqls you know, you don't understand our buyers, what, whatever it is. I mean, there, there might be a number of different reasons that lead to that, lead to that relationship sure. issues, but many companies struggle with it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And we, I think most of us has, have been there, um, especially when there's organizations, which is less, less slow these days from what I've seen, where you've got sales out there, actually having conversations with prospects, with existing customers, existing clients. And um, there are sometimes situations which I'm perhaps a bit biased because I do quite a lot of selling as well as I'm involved in our own marketing campaigns for both WebChoice and our clients. Um, so I guess I've got the fortunate ability to dabble in between both where I can go front lines and have those selling conversations, but I can likewise get in, in the weeds and organize marketing and actually understand what customers are care, caring about um so it's, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's a fair criticism right i, I think that's, <laughs> that's 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 that that's what the sales leaders probably all often feel is like mm. hey marketing you got you don't know what our customers want because you're not talking to them every day i am and frankly you know if there is an ivory tower that's one tower that has to be uh destroyed for marketing is you have to get out there and number one ask your sales reps more about your customers, talk to your CS leaders as well that yep. are broadly part of the go-to-market team and the customer relationship and understand what customers care about, understand their pain, understand what they think is most important for the product that you're offering. Mm. Uh, and marketing you know, needs to put that into their DNA and their messaging. Yeah, yeah. I mean, quite a lot now I've seen with organizations and companies sh sharing it publicly on LinkedIn that their SDRs, their sales development, their BDRs are all reporting to a marketing leader, like a CMO or a VP of marketing. 
Yeah. And for some organizations, like we had um, Aaron from a company called Hiro, a tech company in Israel, and he was sharing how that's worked for their organization. He was on the show a while back. Um, so it seems like some are going that way. I know some still report to sales leaders. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I, I'm not sure that it, it makes that much difference. I think that the teams need to be highly aligned. I understand why people do it. And, and mm. for some organizations, it might be the right thing because in some ways, the, the SDRs are also part of the top part of the funnel, if you will, right? I mean, it's, it's sort of once there's, maybe there's a hand raise, which would be the, the best kind of lead because there's already some awareness and affinity with your brand. But SDRs yep. also can be, you know, doing outbound or working colder leads or something like that, um, you know, where there's less affinity with the, with the brand. And so, so therefore, the messaging that they use is much more akin to marketing messaging, probably, because mm. you're trying to create that, uh, that understanding and trust and, you know, positive reaction to your brand that may not already exist. And so that's, in some ways, more akin to like a marketing kind of message than it is a, a sales message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, were you, what would you say, Chip, are some of the most important things that marketing and sales need to actually agree on to make a, a fruitful partnership? I, you know, first and foremost, who are your customers? You know, um, who matters to you as an organization and why you should matter to them? That's really, really critical. Um, Jennifer Zick, a marketer here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I'm based, yeah. had that phrase, said that phrase once to me. Uh, I just love it so much. Who matters to you and why should you matter to them? Because it really helps you hone in on what is my value as an organization and who am I trying to influence? And then, so that ideal customer profile, that ICP is the, the basis of your go-to-market strategy, but it's also the basis of a great relationship with sales is agreeing on, hey, who are we going to talk to and mm. what are we going to say to them? Um, and so you have to understand. So again, talk to your, talk to your customer-facing leaders. Where I don't care if that's sales or if it's customer success uh do some research about about your buyers right and learn about them there's there's tools like spark toro out there right where, where i don't know if you're familiar with that but you can go yep. research um who your customers are, are what they read what they listen to what they talk about what hashtags they use and then kind of arm yourself with that and then st go start to engage socially you know via linkedin using those hashtags following some of the influencers they follow, reading, mm. reading what they read, watching what they watch and kind of understand, you know, through that, what they want to learn from your company. Mm. Who do you think should have more say in actually, because we've done a lot of episodes on how to find ICP and how to map out idle client profiles, but who do you think should have the final say? Like should marketing talk to leadership and say, well, these are, I don't know, 500 of the target accounts that we want to tap into, perhaps they're B2B tech or B2B SaaS, and perhaps they're all turning over, I don't know, 50 million plus. And yeah, we really love to speak to their VP of sales or VP of marketing because that's the ultimate decision maker. And because leadership have told us to do that, that's what we're going to, as marketing, we're going to tell our sales reps to, to start doing and start building conversations with. Or should it be more like, sales reporting back to marketing well we've tried that and we're not getting through to the vp we're only getting through to manager level and that is not going to work or 
is there like a middle ground you have to take or is there anything that's perhaps worked well with you guys over in Sightly Chip that you think is quite a nice strategy when it comes to actually outreach or uh, maybe beyond that into things like account-based marketing? There's only one way to do it and, and marketing needs to work closely with sales to, to develop the ICP. There's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that because there's who you serve today, which is one mm -hmm. thing. And it's super important understanding who you serve today what pain do you solve? How do you, how effectively do you solve it? Or are you kidding yourselves? Right. I mean, and obviously you're going to see some of that in your, in your renewal data and things like that, especially if you're a SaaS organization, you're going to see it in your usage rates and your engagement from your customers and everything you send. But, um, you, you know, there's who you serve today and then there's who you aspirationally serve. Those can be different things, but you have to understand what the path is there. So, uh, and you have to understand again, okay, if that's who you aspirationally are serving, maybe it's a larger customer than you serve today, you have to understand why would you matter to them? You know, like mm. you matter to smaller customers um, and, you know, uh, be able to articulate what pain you uniquely solve for them. So, I mean, when you're building out your ICP, right? So you're going to look at six main areas. Number one is firmographics and you need to agree on this with your sales team what's the size of company that you're going to go after, yep. um, you know, either based on revenue size or number of employees, it doesn't really matter, but you have to agree on the size of the company you're going to go to uh, and the industries that they serve. You know, sometimes uh, a blanket strategy can work with target across multiple industries, or you, maybe you need to be much more pinpointed. Um, also, you know, it, it may be especially important in, the tech space is understanding what other technologies they use, right? What other technographics, right. if you will, Sam, you know, so, so are, are they in a Microsoft environment? You know, do they, what other sales tools, right? For, do they happen to use sure. what back office systems do they use? That's super, super critical because it helps you understand, you know, how your software can augment um, or maybe, you know, uh, if they have certain tools, it like, uh, discludes you, <laughs> you know, um, you know, psychographics, their business situation, their business operating model, how, how they make money. Um, you know, do they have lots of resources? Have they just received funding or have they, you know, are they not very well resourced? I mean, all those things are super, super, super important. And you have to agree on those things with your sales team. Yeah. 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 Got it. So really mapping down exactly what makes up this ideal client profile what parameters around their business their size their revenue um any current software or technology or anything that's relevant to how you might serve yeah. them um like you say trigger events like if they've recently got funding that's always a a good one to leverage if you if you know they've they've got a uh, cash to perhaps spend on your your offer your solution nice um let's touch a little bit on going to market um Maybe we can share some thoughts or best practices from your perspective, Chip, around when it comes to outbound messaging, perhaps to start with, on what you think are some of the core components that make a solid outbound message, whether that's telephone or perhaps email or whatever you recommend for sales reps. And then maybe we can talk about inbound, um, some kind of best practices there if you're, if you're up for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you know that the outbound game has changed a lot in the past 10 years, the past even five years, right? It's, it's significantly changed, I think. 
Sam, because fewer people are picking up their phone, fewer oh, people sure. are at answering emails because, you know, I, I mean, as a CMO, a lot of people try to sell me stuff and it's just hard to keep up with it. I'm, I'm shocked half of them are making it into the inbox, frankly. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't ignore them fast enough, but I have to tell you, I'm going to pay attention if, if I'm interested or if they go the extra mile to, to show, show me that they actually know me and care about me and might understand my needs. But um, in, in terms of picking the accounts with the sales team, it obviously starts with the ICP like I talk, talk, talked about and agreeing on that. Um, and then, uh, you know, you, you truly have to break it down to as small of a segment, maybe industry as mm. possible and set of accounts that you think you can uh, impact. And I think marketing's job comes first here because we right. tend to be the people with a little bit more data, access to research tools and things like that. Um, and can start the narrative of the funnel, which happens. Um, one of my favorite funnels is the hourglass funnel, with, which is John Jansch's idea from Duct Tape Marketing, which is, you know, no like, trust, try, buy, repeat, refer, right? And so okay. they're never going to get to try and buy if they don't know, like, or trust you. And so it's marketing's job, I think, to at least create the awareness, number one, the no phase. They need to know us. And frankly, a lot of your marketing and messaging and, you know, in this day and age, even for B2B, are you fun? Are you funny? You know, are you, are you memorable? Um, are you remarkable? You know, as Seth Godin says, hey, would you remark, on, would you make a comment about a brown cow? No, you wouldn't make a comment about a brown cow. But if you saw a purple cow, you'd tell everybody you ever, ever met. Hey, I saw yeah, this yeah. purple cow today. It was pretty amazing. And so how can your marketing be that? And so when it's time for the outreach from the salesperson, um, you know, the beach is soft, softer per se, right? So, um, you know, yeah, picking yeah. the accounts is one thing. And then like how you engage them is the second. Do you think that your target accounts need to be warmed up somehow? I know I ask this question to quite a lot of marketing leaders that come on, but do you think they need to be warmed up slightly before sales reach out to them, i.e., I don't know, they've engaged in your LinkedIn content. Maybe you've served them some ads on LinkedIn or elsewhere in other channels. Maybe you've sent them a, they've attended a webinar. Maybe you've sent them a guide, whatever. Do you think that needs to happen first or can you reach out to them stone cold? I think you can reach out to them stone cold, but it's not going to be as effective. You know, I, I think have, having the awareness there uh, is more likely to to trigger the, you know, the, the buyer's, uh, brain cells a, a little bit more. So they're, they're, the wheels are already turning by the time the sales rep re, uh, reaches out. And, you mm -hmm. know, frankly, 95% of your market's not going to be in, in market right now anyway, maybe, right? And, and so, um, you know, marketing doing the work to create the awareness will help create that engagement that's going to create the future pipe for your call next month or next quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then moving it to inbound process, yeah. Do you think there needs to be, of course, marketing and work on whatever strategies your organization is able to do to drive inbound, whether that is SEO, paid search, review sites, webinars, other forms of marketing, ABM, whatever they're doing to fill the funnel, let's say, to drive uh -huh. hopefully quality leads, hopefully that are qualified and are right decision makers or a right ICP, um, hopefully have budget to do business with you, hopefully hit all those parameters that we discussed earlier but how how involved should marketing and sales be in terms of kind of what goes on on 
initial discovery calls, whether inbound leads from the website go to an SDR or an AE, um, whether we use the website to qualify leads and then send them straight to an AE. I mean, what are your thoughts around, let's say, kind of first touch point between an inbound prospect that's almost raised their hand for a consult or a demo, whatever your business is set up to do, and then sending that to a sales rep? Yeah, I think again, I think this is this is a big piece of the alignment. Like I'm super aligned with our chief sales officer, and we have a, a one or multiple weekly meetings. Actually, we have two two meetings. You know, one is with with finance, one is just one on one. But also having bringing finance into the fray for how you're spending money and generating rent for the business for the business, I think is really important. And then when we have one with our teams where we talk about pipeline and leads and lead quality and what's working and what's not. And that's a weekly meeting, right? And so, mm. so being intentional about the alignment, I think, is the first thing, Sam. And secondly, all leads are not created equal, right? And, and they, sure. you know, so if if you're a inexperienced marketing leader, you're just trying to hit that MQL number, and you don't care, right? But all, <laughs> you know, uh, where they come from, because you, you sales, if they're if they're not, if you don't have a good relationship with the sales team, they're going to say, hey, I need more MQLs. They're not going to mm. say, I need more from this source, right? And so both of you need to be involved in that conversation um, because a content syndication lead um, or an HQL that comes in where the relationship doesn't really exist, uh, you know, is one thing versus a free trial or somebody actually raising their hand and saying, Hey, I want a demo. You've already made an impression on me. There's some affinity with the brand. I would love to, to learn more. You want more hand raisers. And so yep. who that gets assigned to, some hand raisers could go right to an E, AE maybe, you know, and as a sales organization, you should be tracking how quickly you follow up because sometimes you don't have to be good. You just have to be fast, <laughs> you know, and sometimes you're going to get the deal because you're first, even if you're more expensive. But anyway, so I think figure out in your organization, is it the SDR that can be most responsive? In most cases, it probably is, which is why it's maybe best to send it to the SDR team rather than the AE, even if it's a hand raiser, just because they can be a little bit more nimble. Mm. What are your thoughts around, I mean, I can see a, I can see pros and cons with sending it to SDRs. Like, so for, to, to take the devil's advocate, um, yeah, naturally, fair. naturally, Naturally, being an SEO and web agency, I, I often talk about why your website should deter people and that it should be a qualifier in the sense of openly sharing, even in B2B oh, like in tech stuff, like openly sharing kind of what you do, who you help, who you can't help, problems you solve, and then qualifying people in the sense of this is our process. These are clients we typically are able to help. Um, and this is our pricing. Obviously, that's quite easy for SaaS processes because you might have tier one, tier two, tier three. Gets a little bit more difficult when you're service based. So you might have like our prices from A to B, depending on the size of your product, etc. So I, I'm very much of that mind, uh, but appreciate not everyone is is um, whereby your website should do the heavy lifting in terms of inbound hand raises, and then route them to an appropriate rep. But that aside. Um, I mean, sending sending um, inbound demo requests, inbound consult requests to SDRs, is that always a good move? Because what if they don't have the experience, product knowledge, or 
not even product knowledge, but ability to take a prospect through certain difficult questions that maybe only a or more experienced sales engineer could. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, well, I, I accept your devil's advocate here, but for sure, <laughs> because it's not right for every organization to go through STRs or go through AEs. I think um, it, and it, it depends on the velocity of your funnel, right? But I, I, I mm. just know that in these days, right, uh, especially post-pandemic, there's a lot of data that shows that they expect you to be fast, right? And so if you're not super, super responsive, uh, that's going to create challenges for you. And so AEs, you know, um, tend to be more down funnel focused as they should be trying to close and engage business and where SDRs might be a, a little bit more nimble, like I said, to be able to, you know, to, do the qualification. But amen on the uh, the great web uh, website information to sort of qualify. It's your own version of transparency sale, Sam, right? It's just truly, hey, here's who I serve. Here's who I don't serve. And if you like me, great. I like you too. And come talk to us. And if you don't like me, oh, yeah. you know, uh, you know, let's not waste each other's time. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that came through my own pain point, right, Chip? Because, because myself and a couple other folks that run this company were just getting so many inbound leads, but many of them just couldn't afford what we did. So we thought, yeah. let's, let's whack yeah. our pricing on the site. Let's whack who we help, who we can. So it make, makes our lives so much easier. <laughs> Imagine if there was a free tool to help you rank better on Google. Introducing Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. It audits your website and recommends changes to improve your search rankings and traffic. Ahrefs Webmaster Tools helps you analyze new backlinks from other sites and scope out future partnerships. We use it at my company, WebChoice, and recommend giving it a try for yours. Just search Ahrefs Webmaster Tools and give their free tool a trial today. Are you tired of the competition stealing your potential clients and website traffic just because they rank higher than you on Google for the main services or products you offer? Or maybe you're already investing in SEO or marketing, but your website's failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Or perhaps you already work with a web or SEO agency, but they're just not getting you the results they promised. Let's fix that. Get in touch with us over at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Mention the podcast and set up a call with Sam to see if we can help you with the results today. So yeah. with that in mind, are there any other areas of inbound that you think marketing and sales need to discuss in terms of that process or in terms of how they're through that we haven't covered? Well, I, I think, um, you know, one of the things that we do in, in our meeting uh, with, with our SDR and sales leaders is we talk about, we talk about lead source by lead source, you know, and understand the conversion rates from MQL, if you will, to actual qualified opportunity by channel. And that, I tell you, if you're not doing that, you need to do that because it's a, it's a huge awakening. And by the way, um, you know, there might be channels that convert super, super well, by the way, that the SDRs love, that the AEs hate. 
because mm. they can't ever close them, but the SDRs can convert them to opportunities. And I've seen that too. And so you need to have constant um, dialogue with, with your sales leaders about uh, all the different channels and, you know, get feedback for what's working and what's not. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's an interesting take. And what are your thoughts, Chip? So a lot of companies, especially in Europe, um, I simply see from marketing leaders I'm connected to on LinkedIn are taking the leap or have taken the leap in the last 12 months, 24 months or longer of moving from the lead gen model. So they've pretty much ditched the old school MQL, um, collecting email leads, webinar leads, uh, gated content signups and move purely to focusing on SQLs in the sense that they want to create demand, create awareness for their campaigns. So they're not so bothered about collecting email addresses but more on actually building that awareness, building that demand for their company. So ultimately, to create more knowledge around the problem they solve, position their brand as the go-to in their sector. So when prospects do need their offer, they're top of mind, and then they get those inbound demo requests for the high-intent buyers, which is, I suppose, what our sales team wants. They can make less cold calls. Um, But with that in mind, where do you think... um, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts? Do you think companies should ditch that model altogether? Do you, what do you guys do in Sightly? What are your thoughts around that topic? Yeah, um, I, I would say we're, we're in the change process for this. And, and I, you know, I, I think MQLs are largely not useful um, because their definition varies so greatly and marketers get to define what they are basically. I'd say marketing qualified lead doesn't matter if that's a number out of the phone book or zoom info or an intent lead or a content download or a free trial or a demo. Like I said before, uh, they're not all created equal. And so because of that, they can be gamed and they create the wrong incentives. The incentives are not necessarily aligned. Marketing is not in the business of creating MQLs. They're in the business of creating revenue. And so the way you get aligned, and this is this is what I love about ditching the MQL. You can still use them as a counting mechanism if you want, because it's, you know, it's informational for how many people you're maybe impacting and engaging, right? But there's... Yeah other tools too, to figure that out. How many views do you get of your posts and what kind of reach do you have on your, your banners, your open rates and your emails? There's lots of different metrics. And so MQLs is a legitimate metric, but marketers need to start with revenue and then work back. So as a CMO, I have one goal. It's my ARR goal, (laughs) you know, and then my, because that's my sales leader's goal. So it has to be my goal. Mm-hmm. And then we work together. Okay, how do we work back up? And then I try to get my team in, you know, focused on it, at least, you know, at the SQL level, right? Because then you are thinking about wh- where where are we really creating the opportunities and the opportunities that have a reason to be qualified into being a legitimate opportunity. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It makes sense. And to wrap things up, Chip, in terms of we've talked about it a bit there, but in terms of revenue and targeting who should have the who should have the say i mean should it just be leadership this is the revenue number that's it should they be speaking to sales who are on the front line having the conversations knowing what's actually coming in 
and knowing where how skeptical the market is, how receptive they are to the offer, etc. Should it be marketing, who's kind of mostly responsible for building awareness, fueling that pipeline for sales? Should it be a combination? Or what, what have you seen work well? What are some of the issues around that? So, so sorry, Sam, what, the question is really about who's responsible for creating awareness or who's responsible oh, for the revenue number? Revenue targets and revenue numbers. How should they be decided? Should, should leadership oh, take feedback from sales and or marketing or both? Or should it simply be, this is your number. We don't, we don't really care what you think. Job done. <laughs> well, um, I think if you, if you want to have engaged, happy employees as part of the business that you're building, then I think asking for input is super, super important. That's number one. But also, I think you want to really know as a CEO, as a board member, is this an achievable target? And if mm. not, I want to know why from the people I'm trusting to lead the business for sales or for marketing, right? If they're too afraid to tell me, then you need to go get other leaders, right? I want, I want leaders who understand their business enough to tell me when I give them a bunk number, you know, um, that's unachievable, you know, and that doesn't mean I'm going to be happy about it, <laughs> by the way. But um, I think, you know, let's, let's all work in reality. Let's all work in transparency because if the, the number is unachievable, there's some reason, right? Either, either you don't have the team, the product, the pricing, the environment, you know, to, to get there and you need to figure out which one of those things it is. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We, we spoke off, off air just before we hit recording that you're going into, or you've just, as of, as of February, gone into a new financial year. When it comes yeah. to kind of setting annual targets, this will be more applicable to kind of revenue leaders and leadership, but that sort of thing. So have you got any best practices around that? Like, for example, do you guys just set it up each year? We want to go for a certain percentage more and that's fixed, i.e., I don't know, 10% more, 20% more, whatever. Or does it vary a lot? Or are there any kind of golden nuggets of advice you could advise around that? Yeah. yeah. I, so, you know, I've, I've been in the SaaS space now for 25 years. And so most of the time in this space, you know, it's been a growth at all costs for a lot of the industry and, and that's paid off. Mm. And so, you know, generally there's an idea of what growth means and it's probably north of 20, 20% for mid-stage to later stage companies, even in the space for, for those that are very early on, you're going to expect sometimes three digit growth year over year. Um, and so I, I think you have to start out with what's the goal? What does the board want? What does the mark, what would the market like us to achieve this year? And what's that sales number and then work backwards from that meaning okay so if this is my sales number what's my typical uh opportunity to close rate you know what's my typical acv and then based on that how many people do i actually have to get engaged maybe in mqls like i said it's a useful counting measure uh to figure out how many opportunities i can generate and then what's my cost per opportunity? What's my cost per lead historically? And so there's, there's the budget that I need. So that's an oversimplified uh, view of it, but yeah. there's like eight metrics in there that I just mentioned that you have to know. 
Mm. And, you, you know, frankly, as a marketing leader, you have to be able to spot spout those off. So like I can see a revenue number and I already know how much money it's going to cost for me to achieve that number. Right. And, and granted that that changes over time, especially, you know, as we're now moving into this, uh, many companies are, I think, you know, more efficient growth versus growth at all costs. And and so you're looking for ways to truly engage your audience um, in ways that are not going to cost you a million dollars, but are actually going to you know build your brand, leveraging organic channels, leveraging content that really speaks to your ICP. Super important. For sure. For sure. Um, one thing to wrap up, Chip, we haven't touched on. Any, any thoughts or best practices around working existing customer base and what perhaps what you folks have been up to in terms of kind of marketing and sales aligning maybe around customer success as they're often the ones that are talking to our existing customers, making sure they're happy, making sure they're working well with our product or our offer and also looking for opportunities to perhaps upsell, introduce new features or ideas. Yeah. And this is an area I'm super passionate about. So I'm glad you asked about it. So I, I, I ran customer relationship marketing in my role years and years ago and sort of defined what that meant in the SaaS world. And for me, it was the four pillars, educate, upsell, satisfy, retain. And so those are what a customer marketing team, what a customer relationship marketing team should be focused on, working again closely with your existing business sales team, your support team, your CSM team to understand what motivates customers, um, you know, what they need more information on, Mm. Are they likely to recommend, likely to renew you? Again, what sources of information do they use? And, you know, social proof doesn't go away. Maybe even becomes more important for customers because now that they've bought it, you know, they want to understand, hey, what are other customers doing? So I've run customer advisory boards and user groups before for SaaS companies. Customers love that. The, 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 The biggest win for them is to meet some other customer that has a similar problem that solved it on your platform. And you need to create those opportunities for your customers when you're the customer marketing leader and uh, it'll pay off. So we, we had our best growth year this past year than any other year. Um, and because I hired a customer marketing manager earlier in the year, we started focusing on those principles and it really paid off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that framework? You said, I think those four steps you, you said just at the start yeah. of that. <laughs> I said, educate, upsell, satisfy, retain. And there's probably more, you know, build trust. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I like that. You know. Short and easy to remember. Good. Yeah. Good stuff. Excellent. Excellent, Chip. So thanks very much for talking all things sales, marketing, and ultimately, like you say, we're hitting that, that revenue number because that's, that's what it all boils down to. So appreciate you sharing your, your thoughts and insights. Enjoyed the chat. So with that, please do tell everyone more about how they can learn about Insightly best ways to get in touch and any other ways to connect with yourself or the company. Yeah. Best way to find me is on, on LinkedIn and, uh, you know, I'm at just at chip house. You can find me and insightly it's insightly.com. And, you know, we've, we've been in this space for over 11 years and get thousands of customers. And, um, you know, I'm just passionate about this topic. Cool, man. We appreciate you having on the show. We will put all those links in the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. And thanks once again for coming on, Chip. Hey, Sam. Thanks for having me. No worries. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, a quick rating or review on your podcast channel of choice goes a long way. 
or if you're on YouTube, a subscribe is much appreciated. And we'll catch you on the next one for more no BS, B2B marketing tips and insights to grow your revenue. See you soon.